Hey, welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Roby. This is Rebecca. And we are in a series that is about Encanto and looking at it from different angles. Um, in our first episode in this series, we looked at Encanto and the gospel and how to pull those pieces out in that story. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at Encanto and Rebecca is going to be sharing just from her experience as a counselor, kind of what are some of the mental health things happening under the surface with Encanto and what does that say about just where our society is and how can we be processing through some of these things and some of these dynamics in Encanto. And so, um, but what an incredible movie. I mean, such a fun, so fun. So such a fun movie. Music is incredible. Yes. Just the colors of the movie. Yep. And one of the things I love about it is it's like Disney movies are, were kind of like getting kind of formulaic like every era. Uh -huh. But this one just broke all of those formulas. And uh -huh. it's such a different take. Yeah. And so super fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and our kids have loved it. And we have the soundtrack all the time playing. Yes, you know? it's on nonstop. <laughs> it's on nonstop. But it's a lot of fun. And we've had a lot of fun just as a family enjoying it. But then also just talking through it. Like we've yeah. been discussing just some um, interesting takeaways culturally and personally and as a family. So I'm excited to dive into that. Yeah. And I think what why this is important, you might say, hey, why are you picking? It's just a fun movie. And it is just a fun movie. Yeah. And we can take it at that level. But it is also, it, this is also an exercise at understanding and discerning culture. Mm -hmm. And so when something like this, uh, which just hits our culture uh, so broadly, and is it also, it's something that is, and this is even more uh, motivating, it's something that is educating our kids. Our mm -hmm. stories and these cultural pieces shape the way uh, we think as a culture and especially our, our kids. Yeah. And so we want to think deeply about these things at times. And so we're using this uh, this movie as an opportunity to do that and to think about discerning culture. So um, let's specifically talk about Encanto from a mental health perspective. Sure. And specifically what we're talking about is one of the things that's unusual about Encanto is the villain. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's um, It doesn't have your typical goodbye, good guy, bad guy, dark side, light side, you know, yeah. kind of villain. It's the, the, the lines aren't as easily drawn. In fact, when we were watching it, our son was saying, I think the grandma's the villain in this movie, yeah. you know, and he was just kind of mad at the grandma, but also kind of trying to figure it out because wait, that's grandma, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know that he had a quite category for that. And in fact, we were watching it we were watching with, it with one grandma. of our grandmas. Yeah, so. so, um, it's just fun to see them working it out, but it also, it raises a good question. A lot of times when we have those, like that's makes you go, Hmm, press into that because you're right. There's not a clear defined villain. And we see a lot of, um, just recent literature and Disney and, and even just, um, Broadway plays having a different take on who the villain is. Right. And so um, we see that for first time we saw it, I think, was in Wicked, where Alphaba was the story of the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, when you go back to the original Dorothy, yeah. she's a pretty wicked villain. Yeah, she's just bad. She's There's just nothing. Bad. It's just, she's just bad. Yeah. So um, so they kind of tell her story. And now you have an understanding of why she is, who she yeah. is. Um, the other movies that Disney put out, like Maleficent a few years ago, Cruella, they really unpack that villain's story so you understand now 
why they are who they are. So you like have some empathy for them yeah. and turn to their story. Well, they're explaining it and it's super entertaining. I mean, the story of Wicked, so fun to yeah. kind of look at it from the whole story from a different perspective, brilliant. And same with like Cruella, like some of those others are very fun to look at it from the standpoint of the villain. But it's notable, like we recently, the kids wanted to watch Snow White and we watched Snow White and the Wicked Witch of Snow White She's just bad. I mean, there's just no <laughs> rhyme or reason. Like yeah. at one point she wants to have the good prince buried alive and she just laughs about it. And there's no explanation. She's just really, <laughs> she's really just wicked. Evil. You know, she's just yeah. evil. And so um, the, it's interesting how now in uh, in modernity, like our our current moment, like we we don't just have unexplained wickedness and evil very often. We want to understand mm. what is contributing to that person. What's made them right. wicked and, and evil. Right. And that's a, a big part of what drives the mental health profession. Why do people do what they do? Yeah. You know, we're stud students of human behavior and we want to understand those dynamics. And, and so there's a lot of discussion in the mental health community about where does the problem lie? Does the problem lie, you know, for someone, you know, in their heart? Is it um, a, a head issue? Is it just their thinking's off? Is it a, a mm broader global issue is a systemic issue is it a communication pattern in between people so wherever the problem exists you might get a different paradigm to approach that problem and there's so many modalities that you can um you know, enact when meeting with someone therapeutically to kind of deconstruct their problem. And so if it's a kind of like a cognitive issue, you might do a cognitive behavioral approach. If it's a systemic issue, you might do more of a narrative approach. And so it's a, it's a common discussion within the mental health community. Where does the problem lie? And essentially we're asking who's the villain, where's the villain in this story. And especially when the story is yours, it's not very easy or fun to think about yourself being the villain, right? Right. <laughs> so we're trying to figure out where is the villain in our own stories as well as in a story like this. Yeah. And so, uh, so what I'm hearing is in mental health, there's a discussion, where is the problem? And there's different types of therapies depending on what theory someone yeah. goes, goes with as a therapist, sure. trying to find where the problem is. And we see that playing out in some of these Disney movies. Right. right? So that it really kind of brings to two, um, very mainstream kind of uh, paradigms to the surface. Um, one would suggest that the villain in this movie is more of the broader system. You know, you've got a family system, you've got a community system. There's a big emphasis on that. Um, we see this in other movies, even Frozen 2. Um, yeah. There's uh, the the sisters are trying to figure out what's going on, and then they realize it's their ancestors that have set up an unjust system that they uh, their ancestors kind of exploited this people group for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. And so then the sisters kind of right the wrong that's been done and their families at the same time they might lose everything and <clears throat> trying to figure that out so we see that kind of play out yeah and in frozen they're they're actually they're both of their ancestors they're they're related to not only the kingdom but also this native tribe right. and so they have to they have to kind of reconcile that but the problem that they're having in arendelle is that there is a broken system right so that's where the problem is in, in that movie, but right. similar, something similar is happening in Encanto. Right. right. And Encanto there's, so there's a positive system that emerges out of this traumatic event. And, but there's this pressure to quote unquote, keep the miracle burning, right? There's a system designed where the family members are given this gift, 
Um, and the emphasis is to share the gift with the family, but also to benefit the community. And so there's there's this expectation placed on whatever your gift is, that's your role. And you're expected to perform that role um, <clears throat> within the family. And so we kind of see that played out in a fun way with a lot of the characters. We've sure. got Louisa, the strong one, right? There's a whole song dedicated to this. Uh-huh. And I think if we all might have that one person in our family that who is um, built to handle just a lot of pressure, they thrive under pressure. They can handle a lot. And so we give those members of our family maybe an undue portion <laughs> of our family expectations. Yeah, right? and maybe they silently like, okay, I'll host again. Or silently they'll they'll pick up the person from the airport. They're just like right. silently kind of taking all of it on on their own. And what's happening with Louisa is she can't she's she doesn't feel strong enough to handle it. And yet at the same time, she can't say no, you know, and she's right. And then when she starts to lose her powers, she goes into a little bit of a crisis because what else can she do if she can't lift a thousand camels and lift the, the, the piano into the other room, things right. like that. So it's kind of a catch 22. It's like, she doesn't want the pressure, but then when she's not known for being strong anymore, she wants anything to do to get it back. So you kind of see that kind of dynamic play out. Um, Isabella is the perfect one, that perfectionist one, which only works out great if everyone else around her doesn't make a mistake, right? (laughs) And so there's that pressure for her um, to be that perfect one. Peppa's one of my favorites, but they don't really develop this very much. But I think if we stop and think about it, we may have people like this in our lives where when they enter a room, their mood can change the temperature of a room, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like if they're in a happy mood, everyone's happy. Or if they're not in a happy mood, that hurricane feels like it's running through your home. And so we can tiptoe around those people with those big emotions and um, kind of understand that particular dynamic too. So Absolutely. And I think, so each one of these characters have this, uh, have their own way they're contributing to the system. Um, but then the challenge, though, is from what I'm hearing from you say, if the system is what needs to run well, like if it's all on the external system to run well, that puts a lot of pressure on each character. Right. To run well. Right. And in families, too. So yeah. this, this very much takes a family systems approach <clears throat> and perspective. And what happens with people and characters, they move and they grow, they're organic. Nothing stays stagnant and the same. So things are constantly in flux and changing. And so if you are the character or the role that's changing it up, then the whole system gets kind of discombobulated and everyone gets upset, right? And so um, in the movie and oftentimes in families, there is a scapegoat character that kind of bears the brunt. Well, this isn't working anymore because of you. And so um, Maribel kind of becomes a scapegoat in the family because she doesn't have a gift. So what are you really contributing? And things start to kind of cracks start to happen. She's the one seeing them. She's pointing it out, trying to bring light to it. But in actuality, she just ends up personifying the problem herself, kind of gets blamed for a lot of it. So we see that that family dynamic kind of play out in this way and when we're not flexible with changes natural changes that happen as we grow as we age as new challenges both good and bad come it creates a lot of pressure on the system and um, each character starts to kind of deconstruct in their own way yeah so yeah so one of the ways mental health um, approaches where the problem is is the system but there's another there's another prominent way that mental health um, will say the problem is in uh, mental health theory would say that the problem may be in and this is also picked up in, right in, 
and Encanto. Absolutely. So um, the abuelas past trauma really kind of gets introduced at the beginning of the movie and then gets reintroduced again at the end of the movie. And you see her past trauma kind of being a theme that bookends um, a big part of the family story right before a big change happens, a right. very notable change. And so <clears throat> the second time her story is told, it's through um, a song is being sung. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the idea that Pedro, her, her husband whom she lost, um, when, she, when they were newly married, um, is kind of singing it over her. Mm -hmm. And, um, as, as she's having these flashbacks of her past trauma and losing him and, and what was happening in the village and then her three babies, uh, you see Maribel watching the story unfold and kind of seeing for the first time what her grandmother went through. And it's, it's a beautiful way that they do it with the song. There's no yeah. real words exchanged, but you get the, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Grandma's telling her story. She's reliving her past trauma. This is why I'm so eager to keep the miracle burning, to keep it alive so that Pedro's sacrifice meant something. Mm -hmm. And if I lose this miracle, it's sense that she has to lose him all over again. Mm. And so Maribel kind of affirms this. She says, you know, we have this because of you. We're a family because of you. And she's affirming that. And she affirms the grief and the loss that she went through with her home, with her husband, with her security, how she suffered alone and trying to figure it out now right. um, by herself. So it's, it's asking that question, how will I be okay? Mm. And so the family system is kind of the answer it rescues her in finding a sense of stability and security and th this will be okay as long as you know fill in the blank with each person's gift and role has to continue to burn and benefit the family and the community yeah and it's it's interesting so to kind of pull these pieces together You've got, um, in in general, a, a a move in a lot of storytelling in our day to just kind of explain why would someone be a villain? Why would someone be uh, wicked? Why would someone be the bad guy? Like, what's happening to make Cruella <laughs> insatiably want mm -hmm. these Dalmatian uh, coats? You know, like, why does she want these things? And so typically then where they go, taking cues from, I think, modern mental health, mm -hmm. they will point to the, there's a good reason why they're wicked. Mm -hmm. The reason is because either the system they were in was unjust, which is also a little bit like wicked. You know, she's always an outcast. Right. She doesn't know where she belongs because right. she's green. You know, <laughs> So like there's the system and then, or there's a trauma. Like mm -hmm. there was some event that mm -hmm. caused that trauma. Um, and you can see that kind of behind a lot of the storytelling why is the villain the villain which is all valid there's a lot of validity to sure. those reasons and and contributing to um to like you're saying the villains in their in the in the stories yeah and there's something that that about that that's not just interest i mean it's not just fun for movies um but there is something healthy about that in that it, it does create uh pushing into even the people who seem like monsters in our lives you know, pushing into that, what's going on there and, and trying to understand someone that's coming from a different perspective or someone I feel combative. There's something that helps us kind of take a step back and realize they're human. Mm. So there's something beautiful about that. Uh, but as always, as our culture is grappling with this idea, that's a very ancient issue that they're being grappled, mm. that they're grappling with. And that is the issue of 
of evil. And where, so where ultimately is the problem? Where ultimately is, uh, e- is evil? And the scripture is very clear with that. It's in, in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. And so our, I think our culture is wrestling with it. It's interesting as we're all wrestling together, but it's going to be incomplete without what scripture has revealed. What scripture tells us is where is the problem? It lies in the heart of every human. And so, yes, it is in the system um, because humans are in the system. Yes, it is in traumas because those traumas were perpetrated by other humans. And But yes, at the same time, it's going to be inside of, of my heart as well. And so here would be the caution and the importance of taking it all the way through to the end of the conversation is if we keep the, the wickedness or the evil always either outside of me in a system or a trauma or in another person, mm-hmm. we're never actually getting down to the, the good, healthy work that needs to happen right. in, in our heart. And the first thing, while we can validate and empathize with the fact that there are there are hurts um, and that there are things that are contributing to the problem from the system, the trauma from other people, the most important thing and the thing we can do chiefly is to acknowledge that there are things inside of me that I need the Holy Spirit to heal. Mm-hmm. And so um, that what I think a good takeaway from this is each one of us should understand Man, there's a villain inside of each of us that the Holy Spirit, by the power of, of what Jesus has done in our lives, living the gospel out, letting the Holy Spirit do the work in our hearts, is healing those parts in, inside of us as well. Right. It's hard to swallow because, and that's essentially the first part of the of the gospel, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory right. of God. And so I think in some ways that's the hardest part of the gospel yes. to get over because it, and it's so contrary to our culture. We don't like to think that we could be the villain in our own stories. Right. And we could be, even if there are those mm-hmm. systemic and those valid traumatic things that contribute to our stories mm-hmm. that we do have to sort through, the reality is we can be our own worst enemy if we don't focus on ourselves too Yes. as part of the the healing solution. So, I mean, I think the, the movie does a beautiful job yes. of bringing to light some honest, real, researched, yep. well therapeutic truths, but much like our culture will stop and fall short if we don't wrap it with the gospel. Yeah. And I would just say kudos to the abuela at the end. She owned she some did. of what she had, uh, so, some of her own issues <laughs> that she sewed into yeah. the, the family. And so, um, yeah. but super fun movie and a lot that we can, uh, just discuss about it and learn from it and practice discerning culture through this movie. So, Hope you enjoyed this episode and um, feel free to share it to someone if they're into Encanto as well, because in this series, we've got a lot more ground to cover. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.